Welcome to episode two of the flagship podcast of Fansided's Call to the Pen. You can find this podcast as well as all the great content our contributors put out at calltothepen.com. I am your host and fansided contributor, Jonathan Playtech. You can follow me on Twitter at John's Voices. That's where you can go to follow me and stay up to date on all my latest content, all the podcasts, all the posts, all the things that we, or, well, I do. Uh, as always, when uh, whenever we do meet, I, uh, I always hope uh, to keep this podcast, uh, and, and really any podcast I do, to keep it and make it an enjoyable and fun experience. New episodes of this podcast are scheduled for Mondays and Wednesdays, weather permitting. We have a lot to get to today, Tuesday, August 2nd, or excuse me, uh, Wednesday, August 2nd. I'm writing this retroactively to Tuesday. That's why I do, did that. And we will be getting to the MLB trade deadline wrap-up. There's a lot of things going on that are hot on Call to the Pen right now, having to do with the uh, the aftermath, the shockwaves of the MLB trade deadline. And we will be covering that and talking about it a little bit. We're going to be talking about Doug Gottlieb. Had some interesting things to say on Fox Sports Radio vis-a-vis Adrian Beltre and perhaps insinuating some bad juju, some bad things going on for uh, for Mr. Beltre, and he's maybe he's doing things that we shouldn't do. Uh, and, of course, uh, what is hot and happening at calltothepen.com. But first, we have a scoreboard. 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 Scoreboard! Hey, Joaquin, I'm out here with Apollos Hester, wide receiver for the Patriots. You guys had one heck of a game tonight. Were you guys able to do to come back and win this thing? All right, well, at first we started slow. We started real slow. And, you know, that's all right. That's okay because sometimes in life you're going to start slow. We're going to start slow, but we're always, always going to finish fast. No matter what the score was, we're going to finish hard. We're going to finish fast. And it's, it's an awesome feeling. It's an awesome feeling when you truly believe that you're going to be successful. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the scoreboard, you're going to be successful. The Padres beat the twin on Tuesday, Twins on Tuesday, 3-0 in San Diego. For all you Game of Thrones fans, the Friars' hand got the save. The Twins' Jose Barrios was doing his best Jose Quintana impersonation, going seven innings, giving up one run over two hits with two walks and four strikeouts, and getting the loss nonetheless. To me, you go seven innings, giving up one run, you didn't lose the game. That's not losing the game for your team. That's your team failing to score to help you out. A return to normalcy for the Phillies as they were shallow lacked by the Angels 7-1 to in Los Angeles or Anaheim or wherever the hell they play their games nowadays. Jeff Samarja continued to add fuel to the is-he-actually-good-or-not debate by throwing eight innings, striking out five, and giving up six hits with two walks, which turned into four runs and a win for Samarja and the Giants 10-4. to Nolan Arenado played the hero at altitude as his walk-off single scored the game-winning run in the bottom of the ninth, pushing the Rockies past the Mets 5-4. To four. After being completely disassembled by GM Rick Hahn at the trade deadline, the White Sox took a proper step towards a top two draft pick, losing 8-4 to four to the Blue Jays at home. 
The Rays beat the Astros at home. The Astros, not uh, not really a good home team this year, despite uh, one of the best records in baseball. 6-4 to four after a strong showing from Chris Archer, who is uh, yet another young arm auspiciously not moved at the trade deadline. There was a lot going on around Chris Archer. Will he or won't, won't he? To which team will he be the most valuable? And it, uh, it ended up being Sonny Gray. Odd. Not how that works, isn't it? The Mariners beat the Rangers in Texas 8-7 to after the Rangers officially gave up on the season, trading Hugh Darvish to the Dodgers. The Cubs whooped up on the D-backs 16-4 on the strength of five home runs by the Cubbies. The Brewers are not content to surrender the NL Central just yet, though. They beat the Cardinals 3-2 at home on Tuesday as well. And the Cardinals are another interesting team, staying pat at the deadline despite earlier in the season. The GM John Mosaloc saying a lot about uh, about the team contending and they look to contend and going through going to going on to win the division this year there's going to be more on that later in the podcast uh, the Dodgers staved off defeat at the hands of the Braves in Atlanta, stopping the bleeding after surrendering two runs in the eighth. They came out on top 3-2. to two. The Marlins beat the Nationals in Miami 7-6. to six. It should come as no surprise that Matt Albers is somewhat responsible for a four-run fifth inning. Max Scherzer started the game, but after hitting his first career home run in the second inning, he left the game with what were later called neck spasms. His departure was precautionary. Another slobber knocker in Boston saw the Red Sox emerged victorious 12 to 10 the two teams combined for six home runs the Orioles beat up on the Royals in Baltimore 7 to 2 the Tigers beat the Yankees 4 to 3 in the Bronx Aaron Judge went over with a strikeout come on Judge help me out buddy Homer Bailey was electric in his start against the Pirates at PNC Park, giving up one run across six innings en route to a 9-1 Reds victory. I remember reading an ESPN, the magazine cover story, about how Homer Bailey was the next great pitching prospect. This was circa 2007, maybe 2008, I want to say. Homer Bailey was set to be the next big thing, big stroker, going to come get you with his 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Then he just he definitely wasn't. Although I picked him up... Uh, uh, oh God! What was the game iteration that year? It was. It was still. Uh, I was still an Xbox guy, so it was 2K for me. It was probably one of the worst offerings of the MLB 2K franchise. I want to say it was 2K7, or uh, if it was 2007, I think they go a year ahead. So it'd be, it would be 2K8, and that was the year where yeah, your save file would just corrupt because uh, we're 2K and we say so, and we have an exclusive licensing agreement with the MLB for Xbox, and uh, there's really nothing you can do about that anyway that's what happened at mlb action yesterday and this has been your scoreboard on the call to the pen podcast all right we've got um we're going to get to what's hot on Call to the Pen. This is going to be an, an abbreviated uh, Call to the Pen flagship podcast because it's called a mix. If I can just get personal on you here for a second, it's called a mix minus. That's what it's called. And I've been trying to set one up that would allow me to do a multitude of things, a whole lot of things with various podcasting efforts, the flagship Call to the Pen podcast being one of them. And the mix minus would allow me to book guests, schedule guests, and have them recorded along with uh, my mic feed and uh, and the uh, the sound drops that I have queued up. You want that cork? Here it is. That's Mike Francesa for you. Here I've got uh, I've got something good here. Though. You, you like Francesa? Here we go. I got uh, I got Francesa. You want that cork? Here it is. <sighs> go the other way. That's Mike Francesa. Uh, 
Two, two, two clips put together. You put them together and you have comedy. Anyway, and it would allow the guest to hear all the sound drops, to hear my mic, to hear any other inputs I can fit on my board. And the interesting part is they would not hear themselves. They would not hear an echo of themselves talking, which can be debilitating to some people when you are uh, trying to to talk or converse. Uh, I hear it all the time when I'm working and I'm reading a script. I always hear my voice in a, in a bit of a feedback loop, so I'm used to it. But sometimes when you're talking, you're not used to hearing yourself in a bit of a feedback loop. So if you don't have a mix minus, your guest, whether it be over Skype, whether it be over Google Hangouts, whatever, they're going to hear themselves, and, and some people some people don't like it. But you millennials, I swear to God, I swear to God, and I am technically a millennial, millennial I think, but I'm just on the cusp of it. Every computer now, every single one has a combo headphone and mic jack. It's one it's one 3.5 millimeter jack instead of two individual 3.5 millimeter jack. And the new form factor is TRRS, tip ring ring sleeve. And if you want to, say, set up a mix minus from your analog control board, you have to send, first of all, uh, it's quarter inch outs, and then you have to send it all the way over here, and then you got to go down to eighth inch. But if you are set, setting up a mix minus, you need to separate the mic input from the headphone output. You need that separated because the board isn't out isn't combining the two feeds at the board level you have to get something to combine them and put them together and slide them into the computer and every single new model of laptop that you go and look at whether it be a chromebook whether it be a macbook whether it be the brand new gaming product of asus or msi or gigabyte or dell or hp or whatever all of them have combo mic jacks and it is uh infuriating to somebody that just wants to set up a mix minus to do good podcasting that's all i want people but because nobody has the separated headsets anymore nobody has headphone mic anymore uh all people want all people have are the stupid little headphones with the with the crappy microphone in it and i just want some damn good audio quality okay that's all i want so it's going to be abbreviated podcast today despite my uh my i don't know eight and a half minutes uh ranting about it so then I can go to uh, to an electronic store and buy a bunch of switchers or uh, adapters and splitters and hope that one of them works so that I don't have to send uh, this brand new laptop back and try to get something else, which is probably uh, indefinitely more expensive. But uh, Doug Gottlieb, we're going to get to what's hot. But Dougie, uh, Dougie G had some interesting things to say about Adrian Beltre, who recently uh, celebrated his 3,000th hit in Major League Baseball. And looking at his career, probably going to the Hall of Fame. I don't think you can really argue against Adrian Beltre going to the Hall of Fame for his career. Uh, he has a, uh, let's see, I'm trying to find the war here. Hold on a sec. Um, Got to reload this Fangraphs page. Great pond, I know. He has 83.1 F war. For his career. 83.1 F-War for his career. I'm sure the B-War is somewhat comparable. 
And I think for third base, Major League Baseball all time, that gets you into the Hall of Fame. He started his career in 1998 and still going strong in 2017. Will he or won't won't he retire? That's a a conversation for for a different time. But this is Doug Gottlieb talking about Adrian Beltre. And it's really hard to get behind the plate every night unless you get some help. I believe that Mike Piazza was a steroid guy. Hey, but the, and then, you, I mean, you, ha, you have guys that saw incredible production, like Pudge Rodriguez, until they started testing positive for PEDs. Now, Pudge is also a former Texas Ranger, and the Rangers had this sordid history of, give me your weak, your tired, your wretched masses of steroid guys. Alex Rodriguez. Jose Alex Rodriguez was Rafael good when he went to the Rangers, by the way, Doug. Sorry. I'm, I could go through a laundry list of players and some pitchers who have been linked to PED usage and have played for the Texas Rangers. Yesterday, they celebrate a different ownership, Doug. 3,000th hit. Different ownership. And now I am uh, persona non grata. I am, the, um, I am the devil as far as current former Texas Rangers and I, I had no idea Texas Rangers baseball fans. Imagine that, Doug. Accusing somebody of steroids, I, they don't like it. I had no idea. But <laughs> news to me. Let me just lay this out for you, okay? There's a high percentage of baseball players. All right, I'm gonna pause it right there. That little spot right there, that stop where he goes, and uh yeah, it's news to me. That little spot right there where he's like, Oh yeah, it's uh, it's news to me. He didn't know what he was trying to say there. He didn't know. So just to give you a good, uh, to give you a glimpse into the podcasting or the, or the broadcasting mind, that's him going. All right, I'm just going to slow it down and try to give my brain just a little bit of little bit of time to try to figure out what the hell it is I'm trying to say. All right, back to Dougie Fresh, insinuating some awful things about Adrian Beltre that have tested positive that are from the Dominican Republic. I'm not making this up. All right, we'll, we'll run that back there because it uh, may have. No idea. But let me just lay this out for you, okay? There's a high percentage of baseball players that have tested positive that are from the Dominican Republic. I'm not making this up. This is not some stereotype of Dominican players. If it's a stereotype, it's created based upon the actual statistical data that a high percentage of the players who have been suspended from Major League Baseball for testing positive PDs came from the Dominican Republic. Wait a second, Doug. Is it or is it not a, a stereotype then? I just, I you know, again, consistency in language is something that I enjoy. It's not a stereotype. If it is a stereotype, it's because of this. Well, which is it, Doug? I know what Doug's trying to stave off here. Doug is, in his mind, he's, he just went down that road, and in his brain, Doug is going, oh, no. Oh, no, they're going to call me racist. Oh, crap. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to try to head off the calls of racism at the past by doubling down on the stereotype. Doug, that's not good. That's, oh, God. But, but uh, uh, just wait. There's more. One, there's a high density of baseball players that come from the Dominican Republic to play Major League Baseball. But, two, it's legal, it's over-the-counter, and it, there's a different culture there than there is here. So it's legal. So in Doug's mind, Adrian Beltre goes home to the Dominican Republic and buys legal drugs there, takes them, works out, and then comes back to the United States. Okay? That's what that's what's happening in Doug Gottlieb's mind, and apparently that's a problem. 
Beltre's from the Dominican Republic. Beltre's also been as or more productive into his mid and now late 30s as he was in his 20s. Okay, that's not a that, bad point. What we were told was a telltale sign. Yeah. Hey, guys have a tendency to age, and then their production starts to wane and fall off a cliff. That hasn't happened with Adrian Beltre. That's not a bad he does, point. in fact, play for the Texas Rangers, which you could say, well, it's a home run hitter's park as opposed to playing at Dodger Stadium where he played or Seattle. But the fact is, with the exception of one year with the Dodgers when he's 25, he hadn't hit 30 home runs. The one year was during the steroid era, and it was a contract year. Did he, did he pull a D. Gordon? I'm not saying I know unequivocally Adrian Beltre did it. I'm saying, hey, we've all been fooled before, and we have some markers, right? We have some markers that could, tell, could paint the tale of a guy who could possibly be ahead of the curve and hasn't tested positive for it. And it, uh, I'm, I'm a human being. I'm allowed to wonder because baseball's been a, been a, uh, a sport that has historically been ruined by PED guys. No. I can't personally Ruin, consider no. Barry Bonds the all-time home run king, even though I saw him hit more home runs than anybody else. Because Hold on a sec. <laughs> Wait a second, Doug. I can't. I saw that man hit all those home runs, but he's not the home run king. Even though I saw him happen, I'm going to pretend that they didn't happen because steroids? Oh, Doug, you're going off the rails. And there's more from uh, from old Dougie there, but it's uh, he goes he goes off the again, not making absurd points. He's not making absurd points there. Doug Gottlieb isn't. He is saying, "Hey, Adrian Beltre is having career years in his mid to late thirties, which is." A marker. That's what when the test comes back and you go, wait a second, career years in his mid thirties. Oh, that's a that's an indicator of this type of problem, like a medical test. You get them all the time. Go up, well, you know, risk for this, risk for that. Oh, that's a marker of that. That indicates this, that, and the other thing, which is all true and is a salient baseball point. The problem is, is that Doug decided he was going to try to wrap it up in well. He played for the Rangers, which, uh, if you want to, okay, because the Athletics had a similar problem. The Cardinals, too, which happened to kind of follow their manager all the way around. And if you want to make an organizational point, if you want to say the Texas Rangers have a, eh, a lot of guys having career years later in their career, and all of a sudden they've got, you know, they've had the same strength and conditioning coach for 35 years. If you want to draw that conclusion or you want to insinuate that, that's another salient baseball argument. That's another place where you can go, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's eh, not bad, not bad, not bad. The problem is is where Doug tries to pin Adrian Beltre's supposed steroid use on the Dominican Republic. And the problem is is that uh, there was another thing associated with Doug Gottlieb promoting this view that uh, he called it a dark history, and a lot of people seized on dark history as a, some kind of racist dog whistle. And I said, no, you know, no, no, that's that's way too absurd of an outrage be, because 
what we can't just say things that are bad or dark or mysterious or that 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 dark motif we associate black and dark with bad and that's just how our culture has described it for centuries things that are bad in all of our art things that are bad are traditionally painted in darker colors referred to not as bright not as beaming but as dark as reserved as recalcitrant as all these things as oh you know underground 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 is always bad what's underground not a lot of light and that is a is a bridge too far. However, to say, hey, this thing is legal in that country, and he's from that country, so it's a good bet that he's uh, maybe doing this thing that's legal there, but illegal here. It's a problem that um that that befalls a lot of sports pundits in that they believe that they have to make a rock-solid case for something. My case for Adrian Beltre as a PED user has got to be rock-solid, like they're in, like they're on trial, for the love of God. Doug Gottlieb has to, in his mind, has got to be like, okay, I've got the late 30s power surge. Okay, but I need something more. i got to put on my case in front of that jury, and I need the jury to go... <gasps> Oh, there needs to be, it needs to be like the uh, limited slip differential in My Cousin Vinny. They got to get, oh, God, oh, who's going to be my Marissa Tomei in, uh, in, in character, Mona Lisa Vito? And who's going to, you know, it's a limited slip differential between the w- rear and left tires and the solid rear axle on the Buick Skylark. And da, 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 da. I need to make the extra special case. I need to go over the top. I need to absolutely 1,000% prove that Adrian Beltre took PEDs. So not only am I going to take the late 30s power surge, which is enough evidence unto itself and something that warrants discussion, I believe, especially in the shadow of Adrian Beltre's celebrating his 3000th hit. But he then went on to the, okay, what's my next evidence? What's a, uh, oh, oh, the Rangers. Yes, the Rangers. Oh, they, they had a bunch of guys using performance enhancing drugs and steroids around the time of the steroid era. So, uh, yeah, that may not be the best evidence, but, uh, okay, it's something else. It's something else. All right, I need one more, one more, one more. Uh, he's Dominican. All right. Well, in the Dominican Republic, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I don't think that Doug Gottlieb, and getting raked over the coals as he should for some of his bad thoughts, uh, especially the uh, the insinuation that merely because Adrian Beltre is of uh, Dominican uh, ethnicity and nationality that he is predisposed to take performance-enhancing drugs to get better at baseball. I Again... That kind of stuff is lost on me. I don't know how you get from A to, you know, D there, Doug, but whatever you do, you, man, you've got the national radio show. I do not. But I think the big problem is that Doug Gottlieb thinks that Adrian Beltre shouldn't be a Hall of Famer because of a late 30s power surge because he might have taken steroids. This is a guy who hasn't tested positive for anything. And I will go toe-to-toe with anybody on the guys who have tested positive in the Hall of Fame because put them in the damn Hall of Fame. Put them in the damn Hall of Fame. If you're going to put guys who never played against a certain segment of the population simply because of the segment of that population's skin tone, their melanin content in their skin, then how can you say, well, this guy took uh, anabolic steroids. This guy took decadurabolin, I think, maybe. So we got to keep him out. We can't. There's no telling what he could have been like had he not been aided by decadurabolin. And then it's like, well, then how how can you say, well, there's no telling. Telling what Babe Ruth could have been like or would have performed like if he had had to face uh, black guys and other minorities, right? If you're going to say, well, who knows what he actually would have been like had he not had this, 
Uh, you got to make that argument for everybody. Who knows how guys in the 60s and 70s and 80s would have done without uh, methamphetamines or how guys in the you know teens, 20s, and 30s would have done not playing minorities, right? How, how do we know how the guys before World War II would have done playing against, were, they, were the league integrated? Uh, how do we know what they could have done or what they, how good they actually were? So if you're going to make that argument for this, then you've got to make that argument for that. However, in, in the face of no positive test, in the face of guys who never tested positive, your Pudge Rodriguez, your Mike Piazza, and now your Adrian Beltre, you have nothing going for your argument other than the mere speculation, which leads you down the path to, uh, guy's Dominican, so he probably took steroids. It's just a bad argument all around by Doug Gottlieb. Uh, first of all, you know, I, he's getting dragged over the coals, obviously, for the... Um, is it is it not racism for the r- racial undertones or underpinnings of what he was saying? Or is it overtones in that context? I'm not exactly sure. But I think he should be getting raked over the coals because it's just a fundamentally bad baseball thought that Adrian Beltre, who's having a late 30s power surge, okay, also the rest of the uh, Major League Baseball is going through a big time power surge there uh mr gottlieb and so you know okay in 2012 he slugged 561 then it went back down to 509 492 453 again in the realm of possibility for a 33 at the at that time 33 34 35 year old and now 36 at uh he had 521 and 37 he's slugging 520 and so coinciding with a resurgence of power across all major league baseball there's absolutely no telling what it could be. It could be steroids. Sure, that was the marker 10 years ago. But now you've got the juiced baseball. You've got guys throwing harder, which increases. If you put the bat, if you if you barrel up a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, how far is that going compared to barreling up a 90-mile-an-hour fastball or a 92-mile-an-hour fastball? It's pro- especially if the ball's juiced on top of it, you're going to see probably an exponential rise in power. So... And then not even to get into the the uh, the swing plane discussion and guys reinventing their swing planes. So I think he should be raked over the coals because he's got a bad baseball thought. Because he's trying to, you know, uh, everybody's talking about Adrian Beltre as a Hall of Famer. But I think something different. I'm Doug Gottlieb. Now listen to my CBS Sports Minute. Maybe he is on CBS Radio. I thought it was Fox Sports. Anyway, uh, Doug Gottlieb is getting raked over the coals. And uh, I, while I agree with it, I think he should be. I think it's perhaps for the wrong reason. You know, bad baseball thoughts are, well, no. No, they're not actually worse. Okay, well, if he was actually the thing he's being accused of, then that's that's uh, very, very, very much worse than having a bad baseball thought. But having the bad baseball thought is still pretty damn bad, Doug. Get it together, buddy. All right, we're going to uh, talk about, to close out the show, exactly what's hot on calltothepen.com. This is the section of the show where, to close out the episode, we send you on your way to some of the great content currently featured on Fanside. It's Call to the Pen. Contributor David Hill has a piece charting the first three starts of number 3 overall pick Mackenzie Gore in rookie ball. In short, the high school arm is dominating, striking out 13 batters total in his first three starts. It's not only his flamethrowing, though, as David points out a very interesting facet of Gore's ability at inducing out, something that might portend big league success.
success. Gore is doing something. He's getting outs in a way that might might be an indicator of just like playing for the Texas Rangers and apparently uh, being Dominican might indicate success at the major league level. Of course, Gore is still a high school pitching prospect, and on top of there being no such thing as a pitching prospect, and quote, he also has to prove that he's not Todd Van Poppel. David's piece is linked in the podcast post of this episode on calltothepen.com, so go find out what might make Mackenzie Gore special. And if you're still coming down from the highs of the trade deadline and want to know why some teams didn't make moves, Tim Haberin has you covered. In his piece, Tim breaks down the lack of any direction indicated by the Cardinals standing pat at the deadline. They weren't buyers and they weren't sellers, which, coupled with the sobering words of GM John Mozeliak throughout the season about job safety of people within the organization, as well as the apparent infighting between Yadier Molina and resident dope, I mean manager uh, Mike Matheny, might give you some insight. It might be, there might be some unrest in the Cardinals front office. Tim has some great insight as to what the Cardinals might have done and indeed what they reportedly tried to do at the deadline. Although it is, uh, it is not above a general manager to, uh, to after, um, screwing the pooch, screwing the proverbial pooch, so to say, to go to a local beat writer and say, oh, you know, I was almost in on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't do anything. I totally screwed that up, but I was totally so close to doing this awesome thing that nobody else was reporting except you. Yeah, I was really close to being that awesome. So if you could just write that down and get that out there so I don't get fired, that'd be great. Um the he's got some great insight of what the Carlos might have done. His column is also linked in the podcast post of this episode at calltothepen.com. And to further wrap up, uh, close out the show, wrapping up the uh, the the what's hot on call to the pen. In the wake of the trade deadline, are the Dodgers? Did the Dodgers actually get better? Because everybody says you acquire you Darvish, that instantly makes you better. And I'm. Not exactly sure that that's the case because, sure, you Darvish is a terrific brand name. Terrific brand name. But this season, let's look at his luck indicators. I'm not sure that, you know, what you get for you Darvish for a rental of of you, is it really? Okay, he's at a 9.72 Ks per nine, 2.96 walks per nine, a 1.31 home runs per nine. Uh, that's up from his career norms of 0.98, his career norms at least uh, in Major League Baseball. He's got a left-on-base percentage of 74.5%, which is about league average. That's about what you what you would expect from a starter. His BABIP is actually below average at, uh, at 275, and his home run to fly ball rate is 15%. So a little bit above average, I think uh, normal – Normal range is ten to twelve percent. Uh, the rate at which home or fly balls turn into home runs, his is sitting at fifteen percent. So, just looking at these figures, I mean, you'd expect maybe to get some home, some home run help, especially now playing your your home games uh, in Los Angeles. In the in the, is that the Chavez Ravine? I want to say it's called. Uh, that'll help you out there, but. Other than that, the left-on-base percentage is good. The BABIP is actually good in Darvish's favor. 
So if there's any regression to the mean, it's going both ways. Because if his home run to fly ball rate regresses towards the mean of 10 to 12 percent, which is about his career norm and about the league average, then you'd also expect his BABIP to correct upward towards the league average. And that's going to see an increase in hits. And though it'll be a decrease in home runs and probably a decrease in runs given up overall, he's still going to give up runs. And on the year... Excuse me, he has a 4.01 ERA, a 3.99 fielding independent pitching, and a 3.82 XFIP, which is expected fielding independent pitching. So if he were to get league average uh, batting average on balls in play, or, uh, or excuse me, batting, uh, league average home run to fly ball rate, his fielding in a independent pitching would be 3.82. So still a good pitcher, just, you know, mm, I don't know. It, it's a, it's an, He's doing well in the things he can he can control, obviously. Striking out almost 10 batters per nine, limiting walks to under three per nine. So if you cut down the home runs, you can absorb a little bit better of the uh, of the hits that you might give up. And also the Dodgers outfielders is probably uh, or the Dodgers defense is probably more adequately equipped to uh, to field balls in play. Than the than the Rangers defense, so they're mm, right. That's pretty good. I I would say the winners of the trade deadline, number one, the White Sox, the Chicago White Sox getting Aloy Jimenez, Blake Rutherford, Dylan Cease. Those you know adding already adding to what was a number one, probably number one in terms of just blue chip prospects, in terms of names, uh, ability, regardless of, of the White Sox ability to, to actually turn them into Major League Baseball players. I would say number one winner of the trade deadline or the trade season in Major League Baseball is the White Sox. When you take a, a number one overall farm system and you add three top 100 prospects, or at one time or another, one for certain top 15 prospect, and then two other fringe top 100 guys, you win the trade deadline. Like, you are set for your rebuild on top of signing Luis Robert and all that. Number one winner, the White Sox. Number two winner, got to be the Dodgers. Looking at uh, what you Darvis has done this year, I thought it would be worse in my mind's eye. I thought, oh, man, I can't wait to see these numbers. These are going to be awful. But uh, turns out um looks pretty okay. Okay, so the Dodgers, I mean, how can you get better than a 705 winning percentage? But apparently, apparently, they're going to try. All right, that'll wrap up this episode of the flagship podcast of Call to the Pen. Be sure to visit calltothepen.com every single day for great content from all of our contributors. You can follow me on Twitter at John's Voices and be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a beat. New episodes Monday and Wednesday, weather permitting. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time. I'm out. Bye.